0: If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly Game Bet Match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider.
1: Well, time to open up your spreadsheets, dust off your modeling programs, and try to remember how Python works if you did at any time of your life. Or just sharpen your pin for 10 matches across four days of betting action in the English top flight. This is Betting Weekly, Premier League show. You're with myself, Dan Roebuck. I'm failing the aforementioned. Stop scrolling and scribble down Nigel Seeley and Jack Reich's picks for week one, which comes up, of course, this weekend. Nigel, we've got a conundrum, though, for bettors ahead of the opening set of fixtures. So we've got the spectre of games lasting, what, 100 minutes, 105 minutes, maybe even longer. We had 15 goals In adding on time last week across the EFL, that's the three divisions, only three last year, incidentally. Should those that like to back the Unders look for another job? What's your initial reaction here heading into the
0: season? Well, I'm an Unders better, so it's not good news for me. I like betting the Unders (laughs) rather than the Overs, so I am starting to be a little bit concerned by those things. I think, obviously, you saw from the World Cup, at the beginning of the World Cup, there was no mucking about. There was 10 minutes added on we saw a match last week, Barnsley, I think it was, it was three goals or four goals in injury times in the first half and the second half. And I think it's more importantly for the, for the first half. I mean, I've met, ne- you know, the, the second half of football matches, we always know there could be potentially six or seven minutes. We know we've seen double figures now, but in the first half, it's very rare that we see seven, eight, nine minutes. It's It's really unheard of. So, the one thing I would say is obviously it's, it hasn't been factored in as much as you would expect at this moment in time. But I think it will. I think the public will will get on to the overs. I don't think the bookmakers are going to be too worried just yet. I think they'll they'll probably factor the pricing slightly as we move on and we'll see how we go in the Premier League this week. But I think the one thing it does advantage, I think it really helps the big teams. And, it, you know, I think that the big teams with the better squads, uh, you can bring players on with 15 minutes to go, you know, you can, bring, you can make substitutions at 90 minutes, you know, nowadays. And I think substitutions might be left a little bit later. Um, and I think obviously the teams with the better squads who, who tire teams down eventually, that will help them. So I think, I don't think the, the minnows will be helped by it, but I, I think if, if a game's drawing nil-nil and, and their backs against the wall, War team and the, and the favourite keeps pushing and pushing and pushing, we'll eventually see a late goal for them. So I think it would suit the better sides, than the than the lesser known sides, but at this moment in time, it's not something that I am looking in massively into figuring into my my um, my odds or or my market suggestion or what I'm going to do. Uh, I think it will play a part, but at this moment in time, it's a watching brief, I believe. But I do think you know. And but the, 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 on the flip side of that, the teams that have come to these big sides who defend and niggle and kick the ball out, and such they've got to learn how to play the game a little bit more, and they've got to, they got Then you may see them not time wasted enough and we might get carried away and suddenly the game might flow by quicker and it might revert back to five minutes or four minutes because the teams don't intentionally time waste. So uh, at a moment, a watching brief for me.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, this thing is designed to stop the time wasting. So this might be a relatively small window. We're seeing, you know, a lot of minutes at the moment and we'll see that this weekend come I don't know October November December January it might change because it might stop and and Jack Nigel's touched on game state there and better teams 0-0 better team away from home against the men 1-1 but if they're 3-0 at home and okay we might have had a lot of substitutions and they're talking about goal celebrations being timed so if Arsenal are beating forest 4-0 there's been four great goals uh, players have jumped into the crowd and there's a lot of added on minutes but do we really think there's going to be a lot more goals at a game state of 4-0 what's your general thoughts when it comes to this from a betting point of view
2: no absolutely game state's vital it, it generally is in betting you know if you're betting those kind of markets it's a, it's a, a key indicator but as you say if a side of 3 4 5-0 up realistically if there's 4 minutes of injury time at the end of a second half or or, or 10 It just means more time for playing around at the back, really. They're not really going to go for the juggler unless there's any specific incentive in that as far as goal difference towards the end of the season. But yeah, I think the incentive is there that we're looking to try and eradicate all the time wasting that's been there with the ball being in play for like 40 minutes, 50 minutes and one side's realise that they're not really getting any benefit out of it, then it is it, likely to get a lot less. And I think, yeah, Nigel's right. We'll then start to come back to what we're expected to. Those first halves, bang on. For those first halves are the, the real difference makers. You know, I've seen second halves with between five and, say, 12 minutes. So, um, yeah, it, it is a case of, of watch how this goes. Obviously, we've not had it in the Premier League yet. This will be the first weekend of the new season, therefore the first weekend in these with these new directives. So, um we know there's a few big characters in the managers that are patrolling their technical areas. I'm sure they'll be getting hit up and uh, in the faces of a few fourth officials. So that could be quite interesting as well. But um, yeah, I think the, the the corner markets, the card markets, uh, they're all ones that uh, we'll have to have a little bit of a tweak with our, our our standard play. But if you if you've got a team that can't score a goal, we've we've had the phrase that they could have been there till Christmas Day and not scored a goal. Another three or four minutes ain't going to help them which hopefully we'll come on to later.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, look, the, I think there's a lots of things to consider. I think it will probably change over the course uh, of the season. I mean, it's going to be fascinating to see if, if teams push for it. I think just from a marketing point of view, Nigel, there's going to be an overreaction here. So if you're looking at in-play markets, when a board goes up of 12, 13, 14 minutes, say, I think that the market will react, and and essentially, I think I think there will be value on unders. I, I you, you know, there's always mm. p- betters are going to look at that and think I've got to go over. There's another 13 minutes here. I think there's going to be over interaction, and it might take a little bit of time for that to settle down. I don't know what you think.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I'm always think there's value on the unders anyway. That uh, so yeah, I think the market will just go go crazy. You know, I think Jack's point is definitely right. I think the derivative markets, the corners, the bookings. Are the ones that will be affected much more than the total goals because if there's ten minutes injury time, what is it? Point two of a goal. It's you know you're still heavy minus money not to score in that period of time, but I think the corners and obviously if a team are chasing the game and they see ten minutes on uh, and on the, on the board, then obviously the corners. Are- will be affected. So I think they're the markets that you would have to adjust now. Total goals, not so much. But one thing i want to pick you up on, Dan, before we go, we've already we've been three minutes in or two minutes in, I think, of the new show. We've already had one unnecessary Arsenal mention. Uh, <laughs> Arsenal <4-0. laughs> you had 20 teams to choose from uh, in, in the Premier League and you chose Arsenal leading 4-0 against the Forest. Now, uh, as for the is that a yellow, yellow card? Is that a yellow card? For Roebuck. Is no that a warning? More unnecessary, Arsenal. It's a warning. Official warning, all right. Arsenal unnecessary mention, number one, yellow card. Just the rest up, even for these the new directive. On it, we've their fate spoken about it. It's a yellow card offense.
1: <laughs> just just on yellow cards, uh, community shield. I mean, people were players were, were, you know, not even kicking the ball away, but it, you know, touching the ball. Uh, uh, it's one of these things. First few weekends of the season, I remember a few years ago with, um, pushing and, and and pulling inside penalty areas, a lot of penalties. And then literally about three weeks later, it all dies down. And do we expect the same, Jack, when it comes to sort of yellow cards and that type of thing? Or, or do you get the feeling there might be a little bit stricter this year?
2: I feel exactly what you then said. I think we'll get a two or three-week spike mainly. And we, we've already heard it where the, where the likes of Pep have, have already started to crank the pressure up. That'll only intensify if they start seeing five, six, seven of their players getting booked on a, on a weekly basis. And you're right, that's a perfect one. That, 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 that In the penalty box, as soon as a bit of touch we were getting penalties left, right and centre. Um, and, uh, and then it got eased down a little bit. And we even saw it in the World Cup, again, with the time side of things that we started off by going, wow, we're getting all this like 10 minutes injury time at the uh, first half and second half. And then it's slowly reverted back to type. So, uh, yeah, I think there'll be some pressure applied um, and some conversations behind closed doors if it, if it does look like it's going a little bit out of hand.
1: It's going to be interesting. Lots of new rules. The, the time is is the biggest one. There's going to be some big numbers coming up on the boards. Incidentally, uh, anyone goes to games, if you're clever, if you look at the fourth official about 10 seconds before the 90, a lot of them, they will check their board. They'll just give it a little flash, a little flash to themselves and if you're quick and you're looking at the right minute and it comes up 16, you can guess that. I mean, it might be a situation here, Nigel, where you might become an expert of how many minutes is going to be predicted and you can just have a little in just before the board goes I find
0: on. it, every time I've ever tried to have an edge on something, I've always proven, it's always gone against me. I've always tried to have it. So knowing my luck, I'd see 16. Bet the bet the over thing, the 16 minutes, and substitute number 16. That'd be my, that'd be, that'd be, that'd be my luck. Um, the one thing I would say, is, I mean, last week we saw so many uh, yellow Cars in the championship. I think they're averaging about five a match. So many red cards. I was at a game last week uh, and there was a red card in that match as well in the Football League. There was a lot of red cards around. And that, The average price for a red card this week with Bet Rivers is around about $455. I think if you just bet all the matches blind to have a red card on week number one, if you've got two, you 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 will get your money back. If you've got three, you're going to cash. I think you'll see red cast week one because not only the players, the, the the referees week one are like the teachers going back to school, aren't they? Week one, <laughs> they've been told by the headmaster they need to pull sealy. Where's your tie sealy? Yeah, yeah, and they're absolutely they're your, absolutely your blazer, full of yeah, they're absolutely full of themselves, and I think that's what uh, you're going to see. So they're going to be very strict, and they're going to to work to the rules and the laws that like we see in the first matches in World Cups, the first set of group games in every major tournament, and then by great by, by match day two, or match day three, you could virtually kill someone and not get a red card. But in <laughs> match day one, you touch them, you, you're you're banging trouble. So I do think if you bet the uh, the red card blind in all the matches this weekend, I think you you will you will cash.
1: Look, get, get get on board the trends early. They don't last. Uh, odds compilers, traders can get it wrong. It'll settle down. These are opportunities. They always are opportunities right at the start of the season. Uh, look, we've got 10 games over the course of the weekend. We've got six picks in five of them uh, from the boys. Um, we're going to start uh, Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern kickoff, uh, Bournemouth versus West Ham, 3 p.m. local. Bournemouth here, plus 175. West Ham, plus 163. The, uh, the draw, plus 235. Nigel, um, we're gonna start at Dean Court. Well, it is Dean Court to me. You've took West you've took West Ham to go down. I bet you're even more pleased now that Harry Maguire looks like he's gonna join. You know what? I'm uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm,
0: not, I'm not a, a big anti Maguire fan. Basher. No, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, I've I mean I've, I've followed a lot of England games over the years. He's always done well for England. I think he's probably at the wrong club. I think Manchester United, you know, is a big club with a with the big expectancy, and he's on the he's he's highlighting everything he does and every mistake is highlighted. I think yeah, Leicester he was brilliant. I mean, he's, he hasn't got the greatest amount of pace, but you can't fault his commitment. And I think going to a club like West Ham is actually a good move for him. I think he'd be good. I think he will do well there. I think he'll be liked. I think he, you know he'll win them over. And I think he's he's wholehearted in his commitment to the cause. He's excellent. I just think it's a wrong club for him. And I think that he's probably not at that level, Championship, Champions League level. Um, so I think it'll be a good move for him. And it's probably I think it's a negative for my bet actually. I, I was I was I wasn't really happy with that. Um, I think there's problems at West Ham, though. Obviously, they haven't signed anyone as yet. but There is obviously talk about Harry Maguire going. They've agreed a, a, a fee. Um, War Prowse is obviously a player that uh, is linked to go there as well. I think he'll be a great signing for them. So, you know, I, I am slightly concerned to that. But I just do think there's deep-rooted problems at West Ham at the moment. I mean, look at the players who have left. Lanzini, Rice, uh uh, um, tile is linked with a move to Manchester City. Uh, the the striker who's gone off the back, I can't remember his name. Scab, I the guy's yeah, name. Scamacca, Scamacca's gone as well. Uh, so these are these are big losses for West Ham, really. And you know, especially Declan Rice to to lose that void on the on the pitch and off the pitch is huge. And when you look at the transfer business done by West Ham currently compared to the transfer business done by Bournemouth, now Bournemouth of all the teams, you would think Bournemouth would, would never be able to, to outspend a, a club like West Ham, but they've spent £60 million this year on players. That's a huge amount of money for a club like Bournemouth, £60 million. And their, their acquisitions are really solid. They're really good players. And I think the manager is a brilliant appointment. I mean, he's going to be, I think he's a great point. We we, we have had a corner kind of last year, And I think that that is um, Irolia is the manager there. And I think that is a big, big upgrade on Gary O'Neill. I mean, I know Gary O'Neill has gone to Wolves and I know he did a sterling job, but this is a proper European coach here. And I think Bournemouth uh, are underrated in this match. I think if you spoke to both sets of fans, how they would look at going into the season in terms of optimism, I think the West Ham fans would be not happy hammers. I think they'd be very, very upset. And I think Bournemouth fans will be full of it. And um I think this is a tough match. I know West Ham went there and won 4-0 last season, but this is a very, very different West Ham side. Life without Declan Rice, a manager who is now minus money to be the next manager to lose his job. As we stand now, haven't brought in a, in a, in a signing and had a pre-season that has pretty been abysmal. I mean, they were absolutely useless last week by all the reports against Leverkusen. Uh, they got beat by Ren as well. And I'm going to go for um, Bournemouth here on the draw no bet Um I think it's plus 102 is it plus 102 and was it uh, where's more even yeah, even money even money so um yeah I'm going to go for Bournemouth and the draw no bet and we get our money back as a push if the match ends in a draw I'm anti West Ham until they get uh, those players in the door and there's a lot of people who heading for the exit at the London stadium and uh, including the manager I think within 2 or 3 weeks
1: I think odds compilers, and I to look at West Ham, they look at the wage bill, and there's a lot of correlation here between odds and wage bills. And they say, well, they pay so much out. They've got so much money um, that they always price them just a little bit too favourably, and you will know that amongst the media, there's an awful lot of West Ham fans out there. So therefore, there's a there's always going to be money for West Ham positively from from enough of their supporters in in fairly significant positions. And Bournemouth have probably gone under the radar a little bit. I mean, I don't know if Maguire, if he does sign, he's going to be he's going to be included. Likewise, James Ward Prowse, although he did play for Southampton last weekend in, uh, in I know, just one other things, Dad,
0: the other thing I think about it as well. And I think Bournemouth and I know it sounds silly, but I'm a massive believer on weather. I love weather conditions. It's a huge factor in my, in my determination how I how I bet and the weather's glorious at the weekend. And Bournemouth is a, is a lovely place to go and play football <laughs> this time of year. And Bournemouth are a good football inside. I wouldn't fancy this Bournemouth side in cold uh, in, in a November, December, but first day of the season, in, in a lovely day, good footballing side, good footballing manager, good players. I think they will outplay West Ham. And I think West Ham will take a very long time. I'm talking two or three months to, to get going without Declan Rice. And I think Bournemouth will hit them well here. Right? I was tempted by Bournemouth on the money line, but because it's the first set of season, I want to keep stakes very small. And that's very important for people watching this. Keep your stakes small. I'm going to go for Bournemouth drawing, a bet. OK, uh, I can
1: see you rocking up at the Dorset <laughs> Coast with a nice big flash villa next to Harry Redknapp in, it in a few years' time. Nigel, the way you're going. <laughs> incidentally, <laughs> incidentally, you back Bournemouth at home in all of their games last season. 3.24 profit and Andoni Areola's side at Rio last season. Likewise, you're showing up off it, just blindly backing them at home. Let's move on to Everton against Fulham again. 3pm local. 10 a.m. Eastern kickoff. this one. Uh, Everton, Jack, are favourites here. Plus 120 last I looked. Fulham, plus 240. Draw, plus 240. Over and unders here. Over, even money. Under, minus 122. I can't believe that Everton... uh, Well, I can believe Everton are favourites, but not to the extent that they are. Every single season, it seems, the summer affects these odds compilers, uh, Jack, and they forget how bad Everton were. Not last year, but the year before as well. This is a side that's avoided relegation by, you know... This margin, you know, tight margins last couple of campaigns. I think that the, the the compilers have got this wrong. Just, just I know your tip isn't this, but just on that front, why are Everton almost even money?
2: I was very surprised that we, we did when we did the future show. I say Everton, were one of the ones that I've actually got to go down. Um Wasn't my official tip in the end, but I, I just feel that they've got to that point. As you said, they've been. On the edge of the cliff the last two or three seasons. And it's as if to say, well, Everton have been in the Premier League and in the top flight for, for like ever, they're just gonna stay that way. But they just continually get worse, really, it seems, each season. And last season they just about got over the line. And we look at what they've done this pre-season, who have they added to the side? What what have they changed from from last year? And it's not a massive improvement to say to say the least. Added Dan Juma, a little bit of a wild card. Is he going to produce what he produced at Bournemouth? We'll have to wait and see. Hasn't done much over the last couple of seasons. And they brought Ashley Young in, who is ready to retire. He'll be going down the south coast with Nigel and Harry Redknapp <laughs> soon. But it's like, there's just there's just nothing there. And they've kind of relied on that last few games of the season for their support to, to galvanise and, and drag them over the line. And it's like I say, the the, the the dial's been reset over the last two or three summers to go, oh, well, Everton, they'll be better this season with no gr- grounds for that, in my opinion.
1: I've got to say, speaking of no
2: grounds, last season at Goodison Park, mm-hmm. is that going to be any sort of factor? Do you think is it going to help them, hinder them? Uh, this season, I don't think it's going to have too much of a factor. Um, obviously, the pressure will be on massively to make sure that next season they're going to be in their new stadium in the Premier League but I've got a funny feeling that, that they won't be because I just think that other sides around them are better than, than they are. They've recruited better. They've got better setup, um, more stability. Um, it, it, that, I think they're, they're, they're taking a chance on the fact that Luton and Sheffield United are already down and they can avoid that one last space. That seems to be the, the philosophy. But um, the Goodison Park faithful will be a, a, a benefit this season. Especially towards the end of the campaign, if they're needing them to drag them over the line again, but I so I think it'll be too little, too late this time round.
0: The, the, the only positive for the like Dan sorry, before we get this bet from uh, chat there, sorry about that. The only positive for Everton, if you are an Everton supporter, is obviously they, they've got main, they, they've got Lewin back, haven't they? I mean, well, he, he, year,
1: play, he played. A, he played a, a friendly and scored against Sporting, but Sean Dyche has come out and said he's probably not going to be fit for the opener. I mean, this is the, the problem. He'll, he'll come in, as you guys know, he'll come in, look very good, but then be out for six weeks.
0: Well, that's the that's the key. If they, if they can keep him fit, you got to remember he was the main understudy for Harry Kane for the for the England team. You know what, a year and a half ago, and and losing him, losing his goals last season, really they really suffered without him. If he's fit. And he, he, I think he'd probably be able to get be that 20-goal-a-man a season that can keep them out of trouble. But without him, I agree with Jack. I think they're in big trouble this season. What is the selection, Jack, for this
2: one? Yeah, the selection is under two and a half goals. And I think maybe I was surprised that we could play it. It's minus 122 and Everton were one of those sides that I'm happy to oppose as far as goals are concerned, especially when they're at home, because they can be a bit tight defensively. And this might be one that we we've seen a little bit of juice in it because of the fact of thinking, oh, we're going to be getting loads of minutes. But they're a perfect example of if you haven't got people to score goals, you could be there for three hours and not, not be able to uh, you know, to get get the goals that you need. So um, last season, 16 goals in 19 home games. Um, that under Sean Dyche, obviously he came in halfway through the season. He had nine home games and they managed seven goals in that period of time. That says it all. Um, they never scored more than once at home under Dyche either. So uh, that's the pressure that they're under. And you look at the the top goal scorers last season, they kind of relied on Thunder Blasters to, to, to get the goals. They weren't like cutting through sides. Um, Dwight McNeil ended up as their top goal scorer with seven goals which surprised me. I didn't even realise had scored that many. But um, then Decor were five. Gray scored some at the start of the season, got four. But other than that, two goals was the next highest goal scorer. That's a recipe for disaster as far as that's concerned. And obviously a great grounds for a bet going unders here. Um, you look at pre-season, as we've already mentioned, Dan Juma and uh, Ashley Young coming in. Is that going to change what Everton produced last season now? No. Nigel's right. Get Calvert-Lewin fit. And getting regular game time, he will get double-figure goals at least, and that probably be enough to get them the points. But it's a big if in keeping him fit. So pre-season showed exactly what Sean Dyche is about. He's looked to keep the structure. He's looked to keep it tight. The phrase is, you can't polish a turd. And I think he's looked at that front line and he's gone, I, ain't got, I can't polish that. So he's going to try and get that back line as tight as he possibly can. The last four pre-season friendly saw three goals combined. One of those came in the 96th minute, and that was against Stoke, who were in the second tier in England. Um, there was a three 1-0 wins, Stoke and Wigan, third tier of England, and that game you talked about, Sporting, that was a Dominic Calvert-Lewin penalty, and then they drew 0-0 with Bolton, which is the third tier in England as well. So not exactly, given the, the, the goodness and faithful um, excitement ahead of the new season, I think they're going to be in for some turgid football, some backs-to-the-wall football, and some tight cagey games. As far as Fulham are concerned, they've had a bit of a disastrous pre-season as well, off the pit field as much as anything. Mitrovic obviously linked with Saudi and saying he never wants to play for Fulham again, but it looks like he might well have to. Um, Willian signed a new contract, then he got tapped up by Saudi money as well. So we're waiting to see whether he's going to go or not. And of course, the manager as well has been linked with going to Saudi. So there's lots going on there. Um, and with those players out of the picture, again, you've got to look to see where the goals are coming from from Fulham. 14 for Mitrovic last season, and bearing in mind he was out for a long stretch after that disciplinary problem, um, then you're looking at Vinicius and William next top goal scores with five goals, so not a lot going there. They were quite loose at the start of the season. They were one of our go-tos for over goals, Fulham, uh, and then it seemed to tighten up, and they changed it. Um, seven of the last 11 away went under two and a half goals, so um, that trend take to continue here, especially against Everton. I see there's been a very tight one. And I'm interested to see if Nigel's got his nil-nil radar out of the box after the end of last season and when it's going to come in play. Because I think there might be one somewhere on match day one in England.
0: Mm. We're still done. I'm waiting for it to be upgraded. It's coming back <laughs> from China. It's wait cool. to come back. The nil, nil I haven't. I haven't read the instructions yet. But uh, the nil-nil. The nil-nil detector usually comes out. You know, a little bit, little bit more into the season. But uh, the games will be tight here. And obviously, the nil-nil detector has to be new, new conditioned after the extra. The Absolutely, effects. yeah. It needs an wait. upgrade. Yeah, the nil needs nil an nil upgrade. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, see. Under's for
1: Everton. following at Goodison Park. Uh, Brighton. Luton. Next up again. Three o'clock local. Ten a.m. Uh, Eastern time, uh, Brighton, short price favourites here. Not the biggest price on the weekend slate. I can't tell you the team that's the biggest price on the weekend slate because if I mention the team that they're playing and I'm going to get a second yellow card from Nigel <laughs> oh, we <laughs> need you
0: you'll yeah, we're, we're not, we're not, we're not get you're you're away with a booking now because we need you to the end just oh, okay. this, this be a warning
1: is, the fans are going to go nuts and they say well what about the first one yeah,
0: um, this, po- this podcast is like the. Extra, this is like the, the Premier League we've got an extra 10 minutes at the end of it now so we can, we can get rid of you at the end when we don't need you we need it's you it's an orange
1: card forest, forest are the biggest at Arsenal uh, plus 15 hundred anyway uh, Nigel I, I looked at this game for Luton I think if, if, they, if they're going to start well I thought they probably need a home game they don't need Brighton away for me here I mean they're plus 9.50 to win Brighton are very very short I wouldn't back them at that sort of short price but this is a tough one for me for, for Luton back in the Premier League for the first time in 20 odd years
0: Well it's an amazing story about Luton getting into the Premier League obviously going from League 2 non-league football not so long ago all the way up into the Premier League and, they, and the American audience have got fascinated by him because of obviously they've been looking at the every sort of a uh, show I do on, on various different American channels, they always talk about Luton, show that picture of the, of the stand with the, with the guy's house, you know, you know, that's how they, they saw, they've got a sort of image of a Ted Lasso kind of thing going on with, with Luton at the moment. And it's a great story of them getting there, but unfortunately I think it could end in an absolute disaster this year. I, I really, I can't see the fairy tale lasting. The players just aren't up to the level of what we would expect in the Premier League. And I think it's going to be a real, real long season for them. I think that, now, they've got to be looking at next year already, thinking, how hey, we're going to get back and why are we going to be stronger? Um, and like what you say, uh, Dan, if they had a home game, I think they'll pick points up at home. I think they'll shock some teams at home, but away from home. That I'm plastic
1: so pitch good. is tough, isn't it, for the opposition <laughs> to oh, play? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: But um, I tell you one thing, uh, they've got a good young player, two brothers, Brian and Mark Steen. No, that's uh, <laughs> Ricky Hill. <laughs> they're, 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 these are players from many years ago who were looting players. Uh, but let me, uh, the, the thing is, here is that. At the end of last season, Luton's road form was really bad. I mean, they only won one of their last seven going down the stretch in the championship. And uh, that win was at Rotherham, I think it was. And uh, the all, all fair, all fair, all fair, you know, Rotherham, Brighton, and, and, or Rotherham, there's a polar opposite between the two mm-hmm. sides. I think Brighton, uh, obviously, what they did last year, they want to build. They're owned by obviously a very, very um, wealthy owner and a very, very. Um, an owner that wants to progress, he doesn't want to sit and stand still and say, Okay, we've made Europa League. He wants to go even further. He wants to win some silver. They got to the FA Cup semi final last year, but they wanted to win the trophy. They want to get into the top four. That is their ambition. And whatever Mr. Bloom, uh, Tony Bloom, who's the owner, does, whatever he sets his target on, he gets. So, um, The acquisition of players and talent at Brighton is the best probably in world football in terms of how they scout and what they sell players for 100 million and buy replacements (laughs) for two and then sell them for 100 million. They're geniuses in recruitment. So there's no problem with Brighton. They'll have a system and they've got an an excellent manager. I mean, uh, probably one of the best managers in the Premier League who uh, will be looked out for if if any of the top four are struggling or if Tottenham, for example, don't do well, I think they'll be making an approach for the Brighton manager here. Luke, so, And what chance have they got? Well, very little, really. If you look at uh, Brighton's form last season at home, they only lost once against a bottom half side. They, they pretty much beat them pretty easy. They beat Southampton 3-1, they beat Wolves 6-0, West Ham 4-0, Chelsea were a bottom half side, they beat 4-1. They also beat Leicester 5-2, uh, beat Liverpool 3-0 as well. So, so you're putting Brighton, you're putting Luton into that. Luton are way, way off the pace on those. Six of the ten matches against bottom half sides, they they won, they covered the one and a half. And I would argue that out of those ten last season, bottom half sides, Luton would be the worst out of all of them. And, and I think if this was a match other than the first game of the season, I think Brighton would probably start about minus five hundred for this match. I think if it was like Christmas time and um, we saw how bad Luton are and how potentially good Brighton are. I think Luton could start off in matches away at Manchester City as like the highest price the Premier League's ever seen. I think they could be. I think on the exchanges, I think you could get hundred to one Luton to win. I think they'd be the biggest price. You're Luton.
1: never going to get hundred to one.
0: Why not? We've You're 50... never going to
1: get hundred to one about a, a team. We've had on. we've had
0: a fifty to one shot we, and we had a fifty to one winner. Sheffield um, Sheffield United beat Man United. Fifty to one, I think, it was Sheffield United. Yeah. We've had fifty to one shots from the Premier. League. Blackburn Blackburn beat Manchester United. There was sixty six to one on the exchange. Yeah. I think you'll get. I think you, Man City. It'll be pushing up there, but I. know yeah, I'd, but
1: I find it artsy, but hey, look, I know what you. I know what you mean. I, I think this is a, a a really difficult game for them. just just on Brighton. I actually just go back, just continue with your bet because you were getting halfway too well more than. No, I, I, I was
0: basically <laughs> just giving you the bet. Basically, six of the last ten, uh, yeah. six of the ten matches against bottom half clubs last season. Brighton have covered the one and a half handicap. I would say that Luton are the worst team out of all those ten teams that finished in the bottom half of the last year, last season, and I'm going to go with Brighton minus one and a half. I think this could be a real, real bad afternoon for Luton. I think the euphoria of getting to the Premier League, they're going to be hit with a, a reality bang here. I think this will be 4 5 nil to Brighton. Minus, minus one and a half Brighton at minus 104. And if you were playing a team and there's 10 minutes on the board at the end of the match and then at halftime, Brighton are not one of those you teams. Don't want want, you don't want Brighton
1: being at all. You don't want to
0: Brighton your position. So minus 104, just 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 a little bit under even money. Uh, brighton to win took by two goals or more against Luton.
1: I think you're right. I think, I think this is going to be the last time you'll get odds such as that for a team like Brighton, let's call them, you know, top eight or top 10 team um, against Luton. I think that, that handicap for around about even money, uh, you're going to have to go, you know, minus one, seven, five, minus two. It's just going to go up throughout the season because Luton could hammer. Just on Brighton, uh, you, you mentioned it briefly there and, and the revolving door of very good players. I mean, uh, at one stage, you know, is Tony Bloom going to go to the well of, of South America and, and Eastern Europe and wherever he gets his players on and find there's going to be nobody there? But I always think there's, there's got to be some sort of regression sometime. There never seems to be. I don't know if the odds compilers take that into consideration or, or just they buy into what Tony Bloom does and says. well, they're just going to be the same as last campaign.
0: Is he going to run out at some stage, do you think? I don't think it will. I think the scouting they have there, and you know, his, his stuff that he's been doing, profiling players for years and years and years, is, is second to none. And uh, everybody's trying to replicate what Brighton do. The academy's superb as well. If you go, so if you get Brighton Academy, it's, it's fantastic. It's as good as a Man City, Manchester United. They're a club on the up, and uh, he, he's the, he's the main reason for it. And the other thing, not only the recruitment in players, the recruitment in managers. I mean, even even go back to this Chris is his Hewton.
1: first full season as well. By the way, to Derby, yeah. he wasn't but, at this. You know, it's going to be an interesting one. But for you him. had
0: you had you had Chris Hewton, and everyone said it was it was crazy to get rid of Chris Hewton. and then you got Potter, and who did an unbelievable job. He went and Derby is even better. They've gone up and up and up in in, in mm-hmm. quality of manager as well. Just a club that's run right. You won completely. If you want, if you are looking at a model of a football club, Brighton are, are that. And uh, I think Luton, the fairy tale has been brilliant. The story's been fantastic, but they're going to come down to earth with a big bang on Saturday.
1: Um, final one Saturday again 3pm very traditional from the boys uh, with their picks so far certainly from an English point of view but it's 10am Eastern so good time for uh, US bettors uh, to take stock on Saturday morning Sheffield United against Crystal Palace we go in here Palace our favourites plus 140 Sheffield United plus 225 I can't believe here Jack that Sheffield United's price to be relocated hasn't really changed we did the futures preview on Monday I've been checking all week they keep losing players and good players as well. I who's gone to Marseille, was their top goal scorer, top assist maker. burger has gone. The two lads from Man City who played an awful lot of games last season. We saw how good Callum Doyle is last weekend. James McAtee as well has gone back. I mean, they're still minus 155 to go down here. I mean, think you know, things are right at Brighton. They are
2: not good at Bramall Lane. Absolutely terrible now. They're in, in absolute desperate uh, straight. It's, it's awful to watch, really, to be honest. It's, it's seeing them just being stripped apart. Uh, the, the owner obviously wants out. And so that, like, you think they had a brilliant season last season. If it wasn't for Burnley being that much better than everyone else, you'd have been heralded in like, uh, Sheffield United's performance because they weren't far behind um, and did superbly well. Scored lots of goals, kept it tight at the back, racked up loads and loads of points. And, and say did fantastically well. But that's a, that's a long distant memory now. And you're right in what you say. They've literally stripped out all the creativity and all the goals. Uh, I had a quick tally up of the players that they've, they've lost. And I, 24 direct goal involvements. McAtee, 12. Berg, 11. Doyle, 7. So 54 direct goal and contributions have, have gone from that line-up. And the one guy that was up there, as far as scoring goals is concerned, Juris out. Whether he'll be able to do it at Premier League level was McBurney, who scored 13 with two assists as well, and he's out injured for the start of the season as well. So you go down to the next most, um, the best player as far as contributions are concerned, is, is Ahmed Odzic, as far as the a centre back's concerned, who scored six goals and two assists. So they're in they're in real real trouble. Um, there's no shadow of a doubt that the side they've got at the moment is weaker than the side that started the championship campaign last season, let alone finished the championship campaign last season. So that's a recipe for disaster to go into this Premier League season in that, that shape. And um, the manager, Heckinbottom, said that they're way short of where they need to be to compete at this level. So they're the kind of words that you normally say just before you get <laughs> you get binned out of the door. Um, and I'm like you, I'm very, very surprised. They're my actual favourites to finish bottom of the table uh, this season, um, even below Luton. I just think that they they're, they were poor last time in the Premier League and they've got nothing about them this time that can even come close to where they were then. So, um, yeah, it looks looks terrible. I was tempted to play Palace. I've got a couple of reservations about them, so I didn't. But I was, again, very surprised to see the fact that both teams to score no is my actual selection for this at minus one, one three because I can't see where Sheffield United's goals are going to come from. Um, and uh, so I've got a couple of reservations about um, Palace just to stop me putting the trigger on them at plus money, although I think that's a not a bad play at all. Um, just to go over Sheffield United's pre-season briefly, so you can't read too much into it, but by the time you've played five or six games, you get a rough idea whether there's goals in the team or not, a bit of shape and so on and so forth. Well, they beat a non-league side 2-0 to kick it off. But after that, a 0-0 with Estoril that... Rotherham side coming up again, they beat them one nil. Um, they all got beat three nil by Stuttgart in the last preseason. They also lost to Girona as well. The only win outside of that was a one against Derby and Derby has started the season poorly as well. So maybe you can't read too much into that, but as far as that's concerned, it just looks like they are in severe, severe trouble. So as far as Palace concerned, as far as this bet's concerned, obviously got Roy Hodgson back in for another season. Um, Was pretty adventurous, wasn't he, when he came in last season? It was a big surprise. Came in from Vieira for the the tail end of the campaign and seemed like a different manager. He kind of looked the shackles off as if to say, well, I've got like seven or eight games to to go through here, get Palace safe, and um, I'm going to let them play. And and they did. I wonder how he's going to go with a full pre-season. He's generally a pragmatic manager. He's normally quite cautious, quite defensive. Can a 76-year-old leopard change its spots is the question. I don't really think he can. I think he's going to go down that slightly more defensive route again, which is, say, why I've decided to go with the both teams to score no approach on this. I can see them winning a 1-0 or a 2-0. But, I said, the, the both teams to score no look the better bet for me. Um, no Zaha, of course, for the first season in a while for Palace. does mean you're looking at Ezer and Elise if they can keep hold of both of those. They have got that creativity. Um, it's the end product. The goal scorers, I think, they're still just short of there as well. But... A mixed bag in pre-season. Um, but they did end with a 2-0 win over Leon, which was positive. Um, three of the last four games last season were both seen to score no, and 58% of all games uh, across the campaign were as well, including two of their three road games against newly promoted sides, which, of course, Sheffield United are this time around. So I like the price because I can't see too many goals from either of these throughout the course of the campaign. So in this game, at the start of the season, it's a no on both scenes to score for me.
1: Yeah, unders is minus one forty eight. Both teams to score. No, seems a better value, doesn't it? Uh, exactly. Minus one one three. Um, final game. We're going to go to Monday. You both got picks in this one. We just briefly mentioned Roy Hodgson and and uh, and the bounce that he had when Patrick Vieira uh, left Crystal Palace. Nigel, I don't know about you. I thought that Hodgson was really lucky because uh, Patrick Vieira had some very <laughs> very difficult games, and Roy Hodgson had some very easy games. But uh, you two talked about Yuna Lopetegui. Uh, earlier this week. You've managed to get him the sack or at least he's left on your say-so potentially and they are a big price to win at Man United on Monday night. This is 3pm Eastern, incidentally, on Monday. Uh, minus 315 United. Wolves plus 850. Draw plus 475. Usually, when um, managers go, we expect a bit of a bounce but I like Lopetegui as a manager. I think he's, he's just... You know, he's been frustrated with what's been happening at Wolves. I think there's a touch of FFP there and they didn't really sign players that he wanted or could. Um, they didn't really I'm trying to work out how many players that they did sign. There wasn't that many. I mean, what's your take of the situation at Wolves before we get your, your play on this one?
0: Well, I think the uh, the appointment of the new manager, Gary O'Neill, is obviously one that, uh, that was linked with Frank Lampard, which I thought would have been a disaster for him. <laughs> uh, And so to get Gary O'Neill was probably a, a, an upgrade on, on Frank Lampard. I don't really know what's going on really at Wolves, to be fair, to be able to contribute too much into the conversation. But obviously, if a, if, a, if there's some financial fan play and, and obviously the and a manager of the calibre of Lopetegui uh, wants to walk away from the, on that position before a ball's even been kicked, then it doesn't look good, does it? I mean, that's you know, it, you would think that he would go try it for a couple of matches and then think, you know, I, I can't get the money to spend before the transfer window. Or, or there's a problem here. I'm off. But to do it before a ball's kicked... Suggest that there's some serious problems there. So, that reason why is I want to oppose him. I mean, Jack's quite keen on um, Wolves to get relegated. I'm sure their price is obviously contracted after the news that Lopategi's gone. Um, but uh, I, I want to I'm oppose him in this match. I was doing the research in this match and there was a couple of, I was really surprised. I mean, Manchester United on a 30 match on Beat and Run at Old Trafford. I didn't realize they were on, they were how strong they were at Old Trafford. The last time they lost was on the first day of last season at home and that was against Brighton. That's in all competitions. And I didn't I honestly just sort of didn't think about that. Um, so that's an unbelievable record here. The bet I wanted to have is a bet that unfortunately bet rivers has stopped doing on the website. And it was one of my favorite bets. And it's the, that's the team to win to nil. I love, I love that bet, especially in a match like this. So if it, I would advise Manchester United to win to nil, but I've gone for another option here, which brings in a nil nil draw as well. And it's wolves not to score. Uh, it's under a half a goal. Uh, which is plus one hundred and two on the. Bet so we're basically website.
1: talking Man United clean sheet here, effectively. Yeah,
0: so yeah, Man United clean sheet. Walls not to score, whichever way you want, it, want it to want to test it up. Walls last season were the second lowest road sc- goal scorers in the Premier League behind Nottingham Forest. And Manchester United at home only conceded 10 goals in the Premier League, which was the highest, the, the lowest by any team uh, by some some way as well. Uh, De Gea was the goalkeeper last year, kept the most clean sheets in the Premier League in 17. And in the last 10 matches uh, between these two sides, um, Wolves have failed to score in seven of them. I'm not really a massive fan of, of head-to-heads, but last season they didn't score in the two matches. That's quite relevant. Uh, nothing's really much changed. I would say that Manchester United have... have, have got a lot stronger in preseason obviously new goalkeeper new center forward we know we'll see how they gel whereas Wolves have certainly gone backwards in the preseason and in the, in the summer uh, Wolves have brought in two players in Connor Cody uh, sorry no they bought who did they buy in? I, thought, I was thinking of Connor Cody but uh, he's gone somewhere else they have brought in a couple of players but um, to me I don't think they're going to make much of a of a change and they've lost some real quality as well so I'm, um, I'm I want to oppose I want to oppose Wolves here and I want to oppose Wolves early doors I always think Wolves are quite a good side for underbetters. I always think Wolves are are, are a team that you want to be with unders. And I don't think they offer anything of the goal threat. And I've always been staggered how Wolves have done so well in the Premier League in the last couple of years. And I think it could be their time to struggle this time around. So I think here the bet would be the um, Wolves not to score. Nine of the last 10 matches between these two sides as well have gone under two and a half goals um, as well. So it's it's a match that has history of low scoring. I don't mind that over cash in, as long as Wolves don't uh, contribute to it. So I'm going to go for Wolves under half a goal, Wolves not to score, Manchester United to keep a clean sheet, 17 clean sheets last season in the Premier League, and uh, I'm going to go for them again to do the same at plus money, 102. when you consider that Wolves haven't scored in seven of their last ten against Manchester United, and with all the crisis that's going on at Molineux, I think that's a decent bet, that.
1: Yeah, Doherty is the place. Is the player that, that you're thinking the, of. Yeah. He's, he's, co- he's come back he to Wolves from, from Spurs. Uh, incidentally, Bet Rivers, Wolves to go down, plus 2.75, plus 3.25 on the show on Monday uh, when Jack highlighted uh, the bet. So hopefully you are on. Uh, you've got a pick in this one, Jack, as well. Similar theme, isn't it?
2: Pretty much the same, yeah. And like Nigel, I've actually, on the show last year, I had Man United to win to nil in this particular fixture. And I wanted to go down it again because it looks a a great bet. I I think you can still do it with the same game parlay. So if you do want to get on that, that is an option. Um, But um, obviously doing Man United to win and and Nigel's bet as well. Um, But again, like Nigel, we're we're both on the same kind of ilk that we'll play a little bit safe in the early Weeks of the season and I've gone with both teams to score no on this one because, again, I thought at minus 120, that looks like a great pr- price. Pretty much all the same stats that Nigel's read out there. Mine's slightly different as far as eight of the last nine meetings between the two sides have been both teams to score no. So it's a a, 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 a very well-trodden path, this one. It's la- landed in all the last five at Old traffic between these two sides as well. And, say Nigel, what he said, um, 17 clean sheets last season for Man United, which is a league high. Um, uh, 11 of those come at home, conceded only 10. Only five goals conceded against teams outside the top six, which we can safely say Wolves are one of those sort of sides. So that track record is set up perfectly as far as the um, Man United defence is concerned. And again, as we already talked about, Wolves' uh, attack is ranked, to say the least. Uh, 12 away goals uh, last season. Failed to score in nine of their 19 away games. 31 across the whole season, across all venues. Was the lowest total in the division, so shows you what it's about. And that was with Lopategui in charge for a good half of the season. And say so it's certainly a downgrade um, with Gary O'Neill in charge, who I imagine will set up this one very tight, look to keep it compact, look to keep the uh, as as I say tight as he possibly can. Possibly nick something on the break. Can't see it happening. Um, a lot of ball for Man United, and I so say I think they'll uh, break them down um, with a win to nil and uh, cash both minor Nigel's tickets.
1: Stuff. Just one final thing before we go. I mean, any leans for the weekend? Anything that you think might happen to the big teams? I mean, you've swerved Man City, obviously. You've swerved the Chelsea Liverpool game, the Arsenal game as well. Is it a bit of a watching brief, Nigel, for the for the big teams and the, and the title contenders at the
0: moment? Do you think? Yeah, I would. I would think that Liverpool will probably beat Chelsea. I, I've got a lean for Liverpool. Too. I think. I've, as you know, I'm very, very confident Liverpool are having a good season. All my futures are heavily Liverpool based. So uh, I I am um, I would like them to get off to a winning start, especially with the news of uh, Nkunku obviously being out for four, for three months, which is a big blow for Chelsea. So they they go into that game without a striker. So I think that Liverpool would probably win that. Uh, amongst the other games, you would you would expect Manchester City to beat Burnley, but with the company factor in the first game of the season, you could probably you could make a case for some upset there. That's a match I would, would would avoid. Arsenal, you would expect to win comfortably against not yeah, the. the cars- yeah, I, I think I think you. I think that Arsenal would expect yellow yeah, card. You're off. Good job. We're in the 90th minute. Yeah, well that's, right. Anyway, that's me done it. So <laughs> I, 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 uh, no, I, I think Arsenal will probably beat on Forest, but I think Nottingham Forest would have a good season this year. So, um, especially at home, I think they'll beat a lot of big sides. So, I think it's the first week of the season. As I said at the top of the show, first week of the season, always keep your stakes small. Just build a small bank and then uh, then unleash. I, I have a very very good friend of mine who's a, who's a very big sports better very big Premier League better he won't have a bet on the Premier League till November the 1st and I think that's I think that's quite wise I think that's quite wise so just keep the stakes small and then when the, when Christmas comes we just have the kids presents on everything
1: <laughs> Jack any final thoughts on the opening weekend of the
0: Premier League season
2: do you know what I think we've covered it extensively and um, no nothing really so that's a no bad. then <laughs> No, yeah. he wants to
0: get home he's got a <laughs> <Yeah>. train to catch <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, shout out for the Fantasy League as well We've got quite a few players I didn't see your team Jack Nigel's is there uh, We've retweeted the code It is 5U5L57 I've retweeted the code How about that Nigel 77 seven tweets it. So if I've got 78 You join Twitter and they that. change
0: the name <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Nigel, Jack Thanks for your company uh, Good luck with your picks That's a wrap for week one of the Premier League From all of us it's goodbye Make sure you stay across all of the Bet Rivers content on social media At Because We Win